Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. I understand what it feels like to live under expectations and programming that are not aligned with who you are. I learned to write my own story in my year of Jess, and I want to guide you as you write the story of you. Your beauty, power, and value are already in there, in you. It's time to rise into it and uncage the limitless experience that is you. You've been held back for far too long. It's time, time to take your pen back and write the story of you. If this makes your heart leap even just a little bit, let's talk. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. Okay, I am so excited. I've been thinking about this uh, interview um, for a couple weeks now, and I'm super excited. Um, this is my friend Grace, and Grace um, and I were in Tanzania, Africa together on a, an embodied running retreat. So we haven't seen each oh. other for a while. <laughs> so, um, so Grace, give me a quick little synopsis of. Um, uh, just kind of who you are in terms of like, what do you do? Um, and then we'll talk more about how we got connected in Africa and kind of our story together and more of the story of us. And we have some exciting things, I think, uh, some fun things to talk about. Um, so anyway, so kind of who you, who are you? Yeah. Who am I? Well, I am a graphic designer and an artist. Um, and I own my little creative studio, my own little creative studio, I should say. Um, and I do a lot of like branding, logo work for different clients, um, sometimes photography, just kind of a mixed bag of creative visual stuff. And I, you have a hobby that I think is really fun to watch you explore on social media your uh, uh climbing and, oh climbing yeah yeah 
I was, <laughs> I haven't been able to go climbing. I know it's been a while. I miss your, uh, I should have been in Washington around this time, but I had to cancel a bunch of trips. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also love climbing and specifically mountain climbing. Not so much. I mean, I do like rock climbing, but, um, I like having my feet on the ground and being on glaciers. So about uh, every year for the last like three or four years, I've made a pilgrimage up to Washington to do, to spend my summer there, but I haven't been able to do that this year. (laughs) I know. I think we we even had sort of a semi-planned trip to uh, Canada all together. Remember that? And uh, yes, I had pandemic happened. I had it like on my calendar yeah. the day we were supposed to be there and it notified me. It was like last month sometime. You're like, and ah. I was very sad. <laughs> I, uh, I was, I was so looking forward to that. And um, cause a, a couple of reasons, uh, obviously to see everybody, but I think we'd even talked about getting outdoors yeah. and really doing some fun uh, exploring in Canada. I know. Ugh, RIP. I know there will be more. Yeah. More chances. There will. And but it's still sad. So I'm gonna share uh how how we even met. Um we uh okay, so I had a I had a guest on a couple episodes ago. Her name was Carly, she's the coach for Embodied Running Club, and um she had this uh trip um that she was hosting with Hillary McBride, and we uh we both decided to sign up for this crazy, <laughs> expensive, amazing, <laughs> adventurous uh, trip with only women, which scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we even talked about that before the, the trip in a Zoom together. Like, how uh-huh. many of us are nervous about traveling with a group of women? Like, there's so many things that could, yeah. <laughs> could uh go great and could go so wrong too. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, so I've shared on my podcast about some of the reasons why I ended up there. How did you end up there? Oh yeah. Um, I remember the moment that I found out about that trip and I was like, I'm going, (laughs) (laughs) it was November, like the year before, like, I think she, I kind of wonder if we saw the same thing because I feel like I've heard you say it was around that time. Yeah. For me, it was like right around New Year's. Um, Yeah. And there was some, it actually came through, for me, it came through Hillary posting about it. Yes. Um, Because I had never heard of Carly or the Public Run Club prior to that post. Me neither. Carly uh, really picked a good one, a good partner. Hillary. <laughs> um, I had just learned about Hillary and the liturgist like yeah. a month before or something like that. Oh, wow. And Hillary posted that. And um, she said they were going to Tanzania and I have been to Tanzania before. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is for me. Mm. My people are there. Oh. I'm going. And then I took like two or three months before I like officially signed up for it. But I was just yeah. like, yep, the money will come. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> I know. When I, t- when I told Carly, yes, I looked at my husband and was like, how are we going to do this? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> yep. 
So I, I actually refinanced my house and, you know, wow. <laughs> that was a I, big part of it for me. Yep. I, uh, got a really nice tax return. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, so <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know if I ever told you this, but, um, then that when we arrived in Tanzania, there was, um, I was the first one to get there other than Hillary and, um, Carly. So they mm-hmm. met me at this, like, whole, like this little off the airport, resort sort uh-huh. of like a yeah. yeah and um I didn't even stay overnight but they had a room there for me where I was to wait and you were supposed to be there with yeah. me and was- you 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 weren't you got delayed for like what a day or was it a day oh my gosh uh yeah I think it was a whole day I was so sad because I was going to be there like one of the first ones and yeah. get to hang out in this I remembered this little resort thing um, and I was looking forward to it. And then I think it was a week before I was supposed to go. I looked at my plane ticket and I was leaving on a Monday and arriving on like a Thursday or something like that. Wow. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Turns out somewhere along the way, they had canceled one of my middle flights because I'm coming from like Arkansas. So, I had to take like four flights to get there. Yeah. So one of my flights had gotten canceled. And instead of like notifying me, they just put me on a f- the same flight that was happening the next day. So I had to like reroute my entire trip last minute. And I ended up being the last one there instead, instead of the of first, the first one. one there. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked well, out. I, w- I, was, I was really bummed because – it was a beautiful room that, <laughs> that we got to stay in and um, and got to shower. And after traveling that long, I, a shower is just so amazing. So nice. Yeah, I um, was really looking forward to like – and also being able to just kind of situate myself yeah. down before the retreat started. Right, right. And to, just kind of take in what has just happened. And yeah. um, well, I – once we got uh, to our first actual lodging, not just our little holding space, um, uh, we had n- we had no idea what we were doing each phase of the trip. And I had never been to Tanzania or Africa, period. So I, I really had kind of probably an unrealistic expectation in, in, in terms of it being not as big as what I actually got. Like my – my understanding of Africa was very small. Um, uh-huh. And so when we arrived, we arrived at, for us, we arrived at night in, no. um, in the rain. And I had this freaking huge suitcase. It was the stupidest decision <laughs> I made the oh whole my gosh, trip. I remember your suitcase. Well, now. and I had this, I had asked Carly, I'm like, I don't really know how to pack for this. Like, you know, and she's like, well, one, you know, if you can get everything in one suitcase. And <laughs> I remember on the call that we had together, I was like, so what shoes are you guys bringing? Like what running shoes? And you guys were like, my only pair of running shoes. And I forgot, you know, I worked for a running store at the time I worked for a running store. So I Uh had this plethora of shoes that I was going to decide which ones I was taking to Africa with me. I mean, it's a big decision. What shoes run Africa with me? And, um, so anyway, I had this huge ass suitcase and, 
we, uh, we get there and they carry all of our luggage for us on mm-hmm. their heads. Um, and we, it was in the dark, it was in the in rain. Flip-flops. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, so we finally get up there. We have no, it's dark. We have no idea what we really came into. We hadn't seen it yet. Uh-huh. And they said, um, that there were, um, two people that were coming, um, after us. So that was you, um, and I thought I was sharing a room with you the first night. And so I thought you were coming in the middle of the night, but I got it mixed up. You were actually coming the next morning. Yeah. So I slept that whole night with the lights on, leaving them on oh, so no. that when you got there, they were ready for you. You didn't oh, have to walk so in nice the dark. And, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I didn't realize what that does to you when you had, when you're trying to overcome jet lag, it like oh. keeps your body awake. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, oh, no. <laughs> So anyway, I was like, I woke up the next morning. I'm like, where is she? Why didn't she come? And then I, yeah, it's just, it was so like surreal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah, it was a, it was, um, it was a pretty exciting moment. I think we, um, we ended up with probably the most amazing, beautiful women we could have possibly, um, had the opportunity to travel with, um, And every one of us had such a different story that we brought with us, such a yeah. different experience um, that got us there, but also that, um, def- you know, had was for us to unpack. You know, we did a lot of unpacking of ourselves um, through this conversation of embodiment. And yeah, it was just a, a great, it but incredible. it was. So I, I'm kind of curious. I know we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but, um, but I, I am curious what what were you expecting of the trip um, before it happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, what was I know you're like Africa? That's where I need to be. I've been to Tanzania before. We're going to talk about how you were there before, but um, what was what were you expecting to maybe get out of this trip? That's a great question that I don't have a super concise answer to. I think I didn't have a lot of expectation other than um meeting some really cool people Mm -hmm. and hopefully coming back with a little bit more self-confidence and like Mm. in my body a little more yeah and just healing and that I was coming off of a um a really sort of dark period in my life I was like right on the tail end of a faith deconstruction. And so um, I was just really looking for kind of some healing and bringing it full circle by going to Tanzania. Yeah. So what about that trip? I want to talk about what, just what you said, but I'm curious what part of going to Africa made you feel like those two connected, you know, this deconstruction path and why did that connect with Africa for you? I feel like uh, Tanzania is where a large part of my deconstruction started. So um, four years prior to this trip, I had gone on my first trip out of the country ever um, Mm -hmm. to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And it was like the first time I'd made... um, like decisions for myself. Uh, My parents weren't super excited about me going 
out of the country. And so it was kind of um, something that I had to like choose and just like keep going with the decision, you know? Yeah. Um, And then of course, climbing a 19,000 foot mountain just like puts you through a spiritual experience. It, It just can't, especially, or it just can't not. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Tanzania is just one of the most beautiful, like spiritually alive, enchanting places I think I've ever been. So, um, you know, all these things like being out of the country, going through this kind of journey um, really began, like kicked off this thing in my mind where I was like, oh, I can, I can make decisions for myself. I can, I'm capable of climbing literal mountains mm. uh, and figurative ones, you know? Yeah. Um, so it really felt like coming back to the place where like those seeds were planted was coming full circle a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about the, the deconstruction for you. What, what was it that you were coming from? What was it that you had known up until this is faith wise up until this point of your deconstruction? You mean, um, like right before the trip? Well, like, um, so when we, I, and when I use the language for myself about deconstructing my faith, I'm Mm -hmm. coming from some type of system of faith. There's Mm -hmm. something that you know, for me, it was me growing up in, um, evangelical Christianity. And, um, and so that growing up in it lodged a lot of, um, worldview and self view and how I read life and how I read the world, um, around that faith structure that I had since I you know, probably before I was born. I mean, it was just what I was, what I came into. And so for me, there is sort of this, uh, it's, it's more transitional, but there's a little bit of my faith before and what my faith is now. So what would your faith before, what did that look like? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the South in like the heart of the Bible belt. So, uh, very conservative, evangelical Christianity. Um, Like where I'm from, they don't ask if you go to church, they Mm. ask where you go to church. Mm, Yeah. Um, And my family actually, like my immediate family was not very religious. Um, We stopped going to church when I was pretty young, but the, the environment, just the culture in my hometown was still very Christian. All my friends are Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I grew up in this belief that basically told me that, you know, I I couldn't really do anything outside of God, like base your decisions, not on your own self-knowing, but on this external thing. And um, yeah, 
Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I totally identify with that. Like, um, you know, a lot of, um, I, I know there's, there's, there's like these threads of truth through everything. Right. And, but mm-hmm. there was this language used about dying to myself. So, yes. um, where you, you pushed aside or pushed back or pushed out of your existence, want, desire, um, a lot of personal choice. Um, and you tended to submit that to whatever that faith construct was. So, and depending on in Christianity, depending on the denomination, depended on what that might actually play out like. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, so, so I'm curious, uh, what caused you to start going, wait, maybe, maybe this doesn't <laughs> feel like it fits with me. Maybe I'm questioning something and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but, um, what was that? What, what were some of those things that caused you to begin that move to question mm-hmm. things? Yeah. Um, I think, well, climbing Kilimanjaro and just traveling in general, I did a lot more um, after that, started to sort of expand my worldview Mm. and meeting people who like weren't Christian or um, were like totally fine, not like being an atheist, you know, Mm, Yeah, Um, expanded, just started getting the wheels turning, I guess, um, thinking about like, well, maybe this isn't the only way. Mm. Um, And then I, I can't remember how this got started really, but I started seeing a lot of racism in the church Mm. that I hadn't noticed before. So I started, um, I actually read this book called Just Mercy, mm-hmm. which just became a movie, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but it's about the racism in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And that just like totally blew my mind. I had no idea, like, Obviously, I'm white. I come from very privileged um, uh, community. And I just, I didn't know any of this was happening. And it just shattered my worldview. And in studying that, I started to realize, like, I started to see it within the church. Mm -hmm. And just how... um, a lot of the systems in the church were very racist, mm-hmm. especially in um, like my hometown church. I just, it just wasn't sitting right with me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, and the more I studied, the more I was like, like at first I was kind of like, oh, this is just an anomaly. Like mm-hmm. um, racism maybe only exist within this denomination of the church or like I felt like at first I felt like I could probably reconcile these 
mm. questions I was having, but then um, it just started to like spiral, I guess. And the more I studied, the more I saw so much white supremacy and colonialism in mm. the message that the church itself was giving. I wouldn't say like the teachings of Jesus. Right. It's just the way they've been used. It just seemed like the teaching of Jesus and the actual actions of the church <laughs> just like became so far apart. It was like, it was always there, but it's like the veil was lifted from my eyes. I was going to say, it's like, um, I often, I know this is a really terrible analogy, but I often think of um, Shrek, the onion, and how you just start yes. peeling more onion away. Yes. Know? And it's it's like, you don't just, it's not like an apple where you just bite into it and there it is. I mean, sometimes it can be, but it's really, it's about pe peeling these layers off. Yeah. And all of a sudden you peel one off and then they're like, oh, wait, now I see this over here. I've got to peel that one up. Yeah. It's uh, exactly well, and, and then there's this culture um, within uh, evangelical Christianity church that um, when we can't reconcile something within ourselves, like you were talking about, like this this feeling like you were always trying to make them align, and mm -hmm. and when we can't do that, um, we have this culture in the church that says, well, then you just have faith. Yes. Um, there's some things we're not meant to know. There's like this language that kind yeah. of covers over that so that we, I think it's so that we stop asking the question. Yes. It's like the questions are dangerous. And that's always what I was kind of led to believe. I, when I went to college, I got really involved in Campus Crusade for Christ, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of, oh, of yeah. it, but it's like similar to Young Life and a couple others. It's just uh -huh. kind of has this like image of being like the cool Christian, but mm -hmm. it's really legalistic and conservative. And um, the like through that, I was taught like not to question anything, like to be scared of questions because that leaves, leads to the unraveling of your faith. And which it ended up doing that anyway. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> they were I right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they definitely have a reason to be afraid because once you start asking questions, it's like you said, the onion, yeah. they just keep coming. But yeah, it just um, snowballed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so this this un unveiling of seeing so much racism. I know you didn't say this word, but we had talked a bit about it on our trip, but kind of a patriarchal experience yes. within yeah. um, the church structure. And, and I'm right there with you. I see this, I see this uh, conversation that was very um, <laughs> pro all the marginalized communities 
in Jesus's message. Right. Yeah. But I don't see it existing in the church. Um, or, or I'm not saying it doesn't exist. There are definitely some spaces that I've come across where it's a beautiful thing and, and Mm -hmm. they have found that relationship. But, um, but like you, I found this, like how these two things aren't going together. This message and the conversation that Jesus is having with people, but it looks like this in my real everyday life and the people that I am uh, in this church culture with. Um, so you're at, you're at that space. What, what happens next? I mean, do you campus crusade become something that you dug deep into or was it something you started to pull away from? Where, where were you at with that? Um, campus crusade. I was, I was long out of college at this point. Um, my deconstruction only started three, two or three years ago. Mm. Um, so I'm like pretty freshly out of Christianity, but, um, yeah, I think the next thing that happened was I, someone shared the liturgist's embodiment podcast with me and was like, you need to listen to this. (laughs) And, um, embodiment was such a, like, I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) So there with you. such an easy concept, like so simple, but I was, I had to like Google it. What is embodiment? (laughs) Um, and it's not a church culture word no, for sure. No. <laughs> like listening to your body and it's okay to say no to things. What? What? So I started um, leaning into this concept and just practicing a little. And I would, I noticed I was still going to church and um, we had this thing called community group at the time, which uh-huh. was kind of like a Bible study. And I started to notice like, oh, I'm having these feelings that feel like dread when it comes to going Mm. to church and to Bible study. And then I was just like, well, maybe I'll just not go. Like, you know, maybe I'll honor that feeling that I'm feeling Mm -hmm. in my body and say no, which is so simple. Like that should be infant level understanding um but that was brand new to me at like 20 27 or 28 um yeah so I I think that once I started to realize like oh I don't like this yeah (laughs) I don't I don't believe this I don't like going to church that was uh really freeing for me um which like, it seems so, how do you get involved in something that you don't like? I don't, I don't know, but it was just kind of, I always felt like I had to go to church and I had to be this good Christian. Um, yeah. And then embodiment just like opened all kinds of doors for me at that point. I uh, was like, hold on, wait a second, I'm gay. <laughs> I, it like hit me like 
all of a sudden I had been so closed off to my body that I didn't have like, I never felt attraction to anyone mm. until I started listening to my body. And I realized, oh, I like girls. Like this is what people talk about when they like write love songs. <laughs> So I had this whole new outlook on life. Um, yeah, and that was another major puzzle piece that just... That's a lot of layers of onion that came off. A lot of layers of onions. <laughs> Lots of onions. And you, it's interesting because you said just a few minutes ago that this idea of embodiment was, you you said, um, whoa, you mean I can say no to something? Yeah. But this was a part of embodiment where you were like, I can say yes to something, right? Yeah, yeah that's so true. Like, I didn't even know this was an option for me. Hmm. It just was so, I think I was really successful and part of the reason I was so disembodied was because I've probably known all along that I'm gay, but it just wasn't safe in these mm -hmm. like strict church environments um, for me to be aware of that. And so I'm really thankful for my body for like surviving those those eras. Well, I mean, really, this word embodiment, this I this whole concept of listening to yourself um it, it was it sounds like it was quite a spiritual awakening for you on a whole completely different level than what you you probably expected a spiritual awakening yeah. to be or yeah. a spiritual experience to be definitely i always kind of thought of like spirituality I put that in quote marks, uh, yeah. spirituality as like a checklist for a good Christian. Like mm. you have to exhibit these certain traits and that makes you spiritual. And that side of your life is just like compartmentalized, mm. very patriarchal view of yeah. the whole thing. Um, but yeah, just the idea that you could have like a spiritual experience in your body was mystifying to me yeah and I don't know if for you we you know I saw all kinds of types of uh, Christian cultures Christian denominations and uh, belief systems within that the overarching definition of Christianity and you could have all these extremes with people having a very physical response to being like slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues. And there was this like very experiential visual interaction in a church service um, yeah. for some Christians. And then there's the whole other end of the spectrum where it's, you know, as conservative dress as possible, covering yeah. as much of you as possible to yeah. be more unnoticed than noticed. So these two mm -hmm. polar opposites almost of experiences within that Christian culture, the Christian faith. And and I think, I don't know, maybe you'll, you'll connect with this a little bit, but for me, the idea of embodiment was really scary. I felt like I, I was going to swing somewhere I shouldn't swing, oh. you know, like yeah. it was going to be, um, 
I, I didn't want to participate in this over here, but I didn't also want to participate in this over here. Was there some way that I could connect with myself that was, um, that felt right rather than yeah. in these polarizing experiences? Um, so my, my understanding of embodiment was one of two things. It was either um, this very outward spiritual or my, I guess embodiment isn't the right word. My idea of spirituality would have been mm-hmm. these two types of extremes. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. said, the list of things that call you into this um, holiness or this um, structure of uh, I've done these things. So therefore I've, I'm spiritually woke, right? Yeah. Um, to this other side of more experiential spirituality. Uh-huh. And I, somehow you kind of know that there's something in the middle, like there's something that allows you to, you know, dance in Africa, like, <laughs> like we did, um, and be completely aligned with yourself at the same time, you know, to yeah. know that you're not placing yourself in, um, beliefs or experiences that don't align with you. Yeah. So what is, what does spirituality look like for you now? So, or if I've jumped the gun too much and there's something in between, but I'm really curious what that shift for you looks like now. That's yeah. Um, I think it's very, it's just doing what I want to do, which is totally like opposite of what I was taught in church. Um, I think it's, it's a trust in self um, that I didn't have before. Mm. And it's also just like, I think it's kind of a journey of getting to know myself. Um, So I still keep some of the practices that I had when I was a Christian. Like um, I've always loved to journal Mm. in the morning. So I'd still consider that like a spiritual practice. It's, It's just, I'm not journaling about Psalms 13 or whatever. I kind (laughs) of talk about whatever feels right. Right, right. (laughs) Um, As I expect, David probably did too. I mean, sometimes we we forget that they were, that some of these people that we've learned from are, were probably much like us with a lot of the same questions. And somehow I bet we completely misunderstood where they wanted to be with that. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) But anyway, so journaling is one spiritual practice for you. What are, what else is spiritual Um, in your life? I mean, or like physical getting outside is really important to me. Um, I just, I've always felt close to God when I'm like in the landscape, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I love running because it kind of forces you into a kind of a meditative space Mm -hmm. um, because you can really only think about your breath and your next step. Um, Yeah. And also like anything along those lines, like um, I've taken up cycling recently. Uh, and backpacking stuff like that. You should just move out here to the PNW. I I want to so bad. <laughs> it's been like hundred degrees and hundred percent humidity here, oh. and I'm just like, oh, please. 
down here. <laughs> well, um, if you were to say, um, if you don't identify your spirituality and faith practices around Christianity, do you have something that you identify it around? Or is it is it really, and I don't mean this in a, a negative sense, but is it really as simple as what you just described? This not just embodiment with yourself, but the things around you, the world around you, the, mm-hmm. um, or is there some component of, um, a faith structure that you still hold on to? Not currently. Um, yeah, I struggle to describe what it is. I believe I, I definitely believe we're all connected and there's mm-hmm. some form of universal power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have personally found a lot of freedom completely cutting myself off from the word, the title Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really feel like I fit into any of the other, like I'm not really an atheist. Mm-hmm. I guess it could be agnostic, but um, yeah, for now it's just like the gray (laughs) I have no words for it and it's kind of like that space is something that would have scared me Mm. when I was a Christian and probably scares a lot of people but for me to be able to just say I don't know Mm. is actually really empowering so well, it sounds like you're very in tune to what what it is that you need, um, what it is that you want. Um, uh, I saw you in nature, and you're totally enraptured by it, both in front of and behind the lens of a camera. And um, I mean, you just, you know, we talked about this like on a, a run, I think it was, but we talked about how you almost can't see all of this without seeing it in a frame you know, like a, in a picture, um, or through the lens and that it's like you, there's some people who just see these as see life as these moments to be captured. And one of my big, I, uh, what was it? Expectations, I guess, of the trip was to be present. Mm. And that wasn't something that I had ever really done for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always chasing something. You know, whether it was, you know, up until that point, it was finish lines or it was, uh, you know, success in my job position or, um, you know, I was always chasing something. I could never just be right here right now. Yeah. And that trip really forced me in a good way. It was a personal choice too, but to be in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one, one moment we were, we were on a walk. I think, I think it was with Simon. It was when we met the lady who had the Obama skirt, oh, yes. right? Uh-huh. And um, but Hillary just kept picking up clovers or some kind of plants, <laughs> and she was just like smelling everything around her. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I'm not even stopping, even in this moment, I'm still not stopping to just take in where where I'm at right now. And yeah. that that was in a big shift in my spiritual experience Mm. was to be present with wherever I was at, even Mm. if it meant pain, 
even if it meant joy. And I say even joy because joy was not something that um, was easy for me to be in, but Mm. it was like this, this choice to be right there in that moment, not trying to go back, not trying to go forward, but to just be there. And um, when I hear you talk about your love for being in nature, that's kind of what I think about. It's like taking it all in, holding on to everything I'm seeing, smelling, feeling, experiencing. And you've experienced some really awesome stuff, like (laughs) some serious mountains. So (laughs) Uh, including here in the PNW. Yeah. Oh, some of my favorites are there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've never thought about it like that, but you perfectly encapsulated it. That's what I love about being outside in nature is that you're, you're present, especially on a, like an expedition where you get to go off the grid You don't have email or social media to worry about. You don't even like have to put on makeup or shower. Right. (laughs) You're just like, you're there. And sometimes like if you're not present and you're off daydreaming or something, you can actually get yourself into danger. So you have to be there, present. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it forces us to get in tune with all of our senses, which mm-hmm. I think, you know, was, that was that big piece that I, I'm, I remember the embodiment, um, podcast that Hillary did with liturgists and it was, it was a big shift for me too. this idea of taking in everything, all my senses, but, but that my soul had a sense too, that mm. that intuition was a real thing I could listen to rather than yeah. always excuse out of my context. Uh Um, So where did intuition fit for you? Because I I know that to make a shift in um, not just your faith, I know they're intertwined, but um, in your uh, sexual orientation, in your your job, all of that became very, um, uh, it was was probably a big social shift for Mm -hmm. you as well. Mm -hmm. So talk on that a little bit. Yeah. um, Amazingly enough, I've always been uh, at least intact with my intuition. Um, I'm an Enneagram four Mm. for anyone who's familiar. That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've always been kind of led by my feelings and my intuition and I say amazingly enough because there are definitely some conservative like religions who uh, want you to be afraid of that. Um, and I'm not saying it was always easy, but um, so once I realized these things, I was, I was just like, oh, yeah, the, mm-hmm. I can't, I cannot keep going with this new knowledge, I, Mm. I have to follow my intuition. Um, so I, I felt like I had to follow this gut feeling. Um, it just wasn't an option not to anymore. Um, yeah. So how did that play out with relationships in your life? You know, with family, with friends, did that Mm -hmm. whole structure of what you 
you were a part of, did that have to shift too? Or was it something that was very embracing of your, uh, your choices all the way? Uh, yeah, it, it had to shift. Um, I, with my church, I didn't even want to try, like mm. trying to justify myself because I knew, I knew how conversations with church friends were going to go, like, especially my Bible study or mm-hmm. um, elders within the church. I knew it was going to be like, oh, you're accepted here, but on a conditional level. Um, so I made the hard choice to just leave, leave church. I left my Bible study. I, <laughs> I like broke up with them via text, basically. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I had, um, I had shared a little bit of what I was going through. This was like six months prior to leaving. I, I'd shared like, Hey, I'm having these feelings for a woman, but I kind of posed it as like, this is a one-time thing. Like it's not going to happen again. Mm. And at the time that's, that's what I thought. But then as I went along this journey I was like no this is actually like I am gay (laughs) and um I think once I was confident with that within myself I didn't share I didn't let any of my Christian friends in on that Mm. and I'm totally totally thankful for that because Mm. it could have could have changed a lot of um the journey but yeah Basically, I knew in my gut, like, these church groups, they're out. I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that anymore. Um, my family, it was, like, really easy. They have mm. been amazingly supportive. Um, wow. My, my, my parents sort of went through a deconstruction when I was, like, in the fourth grade. Mm. Um, so they weren't Christian. So it was really easy coming out to them, <laughs> <laughs> which I am so thankful for. Um, and so before I like publicly came out, I kind of weeded out the people and the, the structures and places that I knew weren't going to be helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think really important for me to be able to publicly come out. Um, and I, I just feel so incredibly grateful at how easy it's been for me to be public about my sexuality. Mm. Um, I've got some really great supportive friends and like, um, yeah, I, I'm just astounded at how easy it's been. And I recognize that that is um, because there was a lot of hard work mm. by people before me and I get to stand on their shoulders. And um, mm. yeah, I think overall, I'm just really humbled and grateful for all of the work that preceded me being able to live freely. (laughs) And what is, what is that living freely? What is that, um, 
what does that feel like for you? Like, I'm struggling because I'm, I, I have found in, I have found in my story that one of the things that was so difficult for me was that I, that I fragmented out myself. So Mm -hmm. I put my spirituality sat over here, my, Mm -hmm. um, I say my mental, but kind of that mindset and that emotional health over here. Mm -hmm. And then I had this physical thing, like the running and stuff like that. And I, and I never made the three connect other than Mm -hmm. maybe running burned off some mental energy. That was probably about as far as I went. (laughs) Um, And the spirituality, you know, the connection between those was maybe doing some of those things with people in each of those categories. But, Mm -hmm. um, but when I started to shift through the, the parts that didn't align with me anymore, I found that those pieces, those fragmented sections of my life started to meld more into one cohesive uh, sense of self. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's incredible peace in there for me. Like um, I'm not doing the, the mental battle of, well, I, you know, this obligation towards uh some of my theology or my faith structure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while trying to heal my body. That's just reeking of, you know, stress sickness, you know, like I, I just kind of pouring out of me. Right. And I, and I'm, I can't get the two to, I can't heal this over here and I can't answer these questions over here because there's, they're just too disconnected. So bringing everything whole and back, you know, in and letting this stuff kind of fall off that needs to fall off allowed me the opportunity to actually heal my body yes um and find soul peace mm-hmm. so i'm curious as you found, as you went into that area of freedom like you said what were some of those um those things for you um was it was it that a holistic of an experience do you feel at peace with yourself aligned with yourself or do you still have some areas where you're just they're kind of still getting worked out Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still a journey. And I think for me, the the biggest thing was this fear of going to hell mm. that like kept popping back up. Like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but there's always been this like looming question, like, well, I feel really good now, but that's, that's bad. What if I'm going to hell? Mm. Um, so I think it's, it was never like everything just snapped into place. Um, more like putting a puzzle together, like the pieces are starting to like come together and it's forming a whole new picture for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that imagery. Um, I've just been collecting puzzle pieces mm. and kind of putting them together. And I feel like the picture's starting to come together. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's finished yet. <laughs> um, no, and maybe if it got finished, maybe there'd be something wrong there, right? Like, Yeah, that would that would be sad. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, now what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to throw it all out again and then do it over again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um... So we're in Africa and we are working on this, uh, 
this thing of putting all these parts of ourselves into a healthier mindset. And um, we did go running, but <laughs> I feel like barely. I know, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, there's so many reasons around that. Like there's <laughs> there's just a there's a lot there. But um, uh, one of the experiences that I just found to be uh, probably God, I want to say it, one of the more spiritual experiences, but I, I say that and then I think of another one. Um, but it was the, it was that day that we, um, we spent with Simon, um, mm -hmm. and he started, uh, we had this great lunch with him and he's just telling stories about his family, but, but on our run walk, I don't know what it was that day, but we, we, um, he starts telling us about how everything is so intricately connected between mm -hmm. the how they farm, how they, how the city, um, uh, grow or how a community grows there and the economics to the entire government of Tanzania and how his bees have something to do with his whole picture of Tanzania. And uh, it was yes. just like, this guy understands what it means that all things get connected together, that mm. they all needed each other. And uh -huh. I just remember that being such a like an epiphany moment for me to see that the politics, the family structures, the social, the food, the bees, that like all the parts had to have each other uh -huh. to be what we were experiencing there in Tanzania. This beautiful, magical, yes. red dirt place, right? <laughs> uh -huh. And I just, uh, that was just a huge takeaway for me with uh -huh. experiencing Tanzania through, um, through his eyes, through Simon's eyes or through his, uh, life experience. Um, what was a big spiritual takeaway for you on that trip? Ooh, I love hearing what was big for you because I remember that moment too, but, yeah. um, it wasn't an epiphany for me. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> No, that's awesome. I um, I love hearing that. And the I honey think, didn't taste like what I expected it to. No, just, oh my gosh, so different. It was so different. I honestly don't even remember what it tastes like now. But I remember I don't, being, I, like, being surprised. Wow, by it. yeah. And yeah. Ugh, hearing him talk about his bees, I I thought they were his kids. Like. He, he so was precious. so tender about these bees and he had so much respect for what it was that they gave him. Mm -hmm. And so he was doing all this giving back to them. It was like this, ah, this relationship <laughs> that I was just, I don't know, not something I was expecting to experience when I was in Africa, but it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. So, uh -huh. so yeah. yeah, for you, what was, what was for one me, of those moments uh, for you? And I just had a moment the other day where I was thinking, wow, I have grown so much even since that trip. I'm trying mm -hmm. to remember what it was now. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, for me, it was um, when we would do those sort of group mm -hmm. sessions, um, just realizing that there is life after mm. Christianity mm. Um, and that I am wanted 
And there, I remember a specific moment when we were doing a exercise where we we weren't talking to each other, but we were facing each other and we were just holding hands. Mm. And I was like sobbing beside myself. Mm. I think on that trip, I realized how deprived of physical touch I've been Mm. just because I tend to, like, I think I've really internalized that narrative that queer people are, are gross Mm. and not, not wanted. And like people who are straight don't really know how to hold space for a queer person sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially in the church. And so I think I really internalized that like I make other people uncomfortable and I am an inconvenience and I'm gross. Mm. (laughs) And so having someone just like holding and caressing my hands was so weird. Yeah. (laughs) But also like, like I could tell like in my body, it's what, she's wanted for so long it was like I guess a a journey to wholeness yeah that I didn't even know was um you didn't even know you needed it yeah (laughs) yeah I think there were a lot of things on that trip that we didn't know we needed yeah I think there were a lot of like little just embodiment pieces Mm -hmm. that came together well you can't go for 10 days with a therapist and <laughs> and not be changed <laughs> not be changed <laughs> she hasn't done her work if we're not no. <laughs> yeah no I I found um we had so many uh, amazing moments and um I you know I have very vivid memories of things that we were able to say to each other during difficult times each one of us processing our you know our things and um and being able to that, you know, each other's stories, each other's experiences and each other's healing that they'd already gone through was helpful to each other. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that was, that was not something that I ever experienced in the church in that way. Um, the church was more about answers yes, than about mm-hmm. being in that, uh, that journey with someone. I, I know I can't even find words for it. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying though. Um nobody on this trip really gave each other an answer or a solution. Yeah. It was more of almost that that picture of holding hands and saying, let's just let's just go into this together, you know. Yeah. I'm here with you. Yeah. 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 And um I do remember that we were all quite uh taken back by a moment with a beautiful leopard oh. in a tree oh. it was like the most goddess uh, yes oh. goddess yes <laughs> um she she he I don't even know what it was do you know what it was I think the driver or our guide said it was a she because he could tell the way she was um like laying in that tree she didn't uh. have a penis oh <laughs> I don't oh, so know something that obvious <laughs> Or what? Because it was kind of like a spiky tree. (laughs) 
He could have been I, just making a joke, but I, I, I took it. I, for I didn't look for it, so I don't remember. <laughs> Although I do have a picture of an elephant penis that is quite profound. <laughs> I, I didn't intend to take it. It's just I looked at my camera after taking the pictures, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you guys!" <laughs> I think it was touching the ground. It was so big. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, the other spiritual moment. <laughs> of this leopard was like we had chased all over that day looking for a cat like we wanted to see a cat and we were I think we'd seen um some lions but they were really far away so we just really hadn't engaged anything up close yet Mm -hmm. and um our driver got word from another driver or from the I think he was hearing it over the radio but that there was um a leopard somewhere and He's like, everybody get in the truck. And we got in and we're like, where are we going? And you don't drive fast through the preserves. You drive slow to see things. We were going so fast. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And um, we were going all over the place. And then they were telling each other where to go to find it. And it was like at the tree. And I'm like, how do you find a leopard at the tree? Like. (laughs) bazillion trees trees out there (laughs) somehow they understood and he drives up to this tree and all of a sudden we stop and we're all looking on the ground looking around and he's like no it's up there and we look up I mean we were so close to this yeah and I mean it could have it could have jumped on our jeep if it wanted to although it was way too lazy to do that (laughs) but then it starts to rain and it was just this the sound of the rain, the silence, and this like magic up in the tree. We just got to sit and watch. It was unreal. I know oh. it, I know it hit all of us, right? It yeah. was just one of those moments. I don't think we talked, you know, for probably 15, 20 minutes. Like it was just this moment. Yeah, I don't even know how long we were there. Yeah. But yeah. Ugh. Talk about being present. Yeah. That was so magical yeah I just I remember we could hear her breathing yes and being so profoundly like overwhelmed in the moment with like I share the same air Air. that this beautiful creature oh yeah yeah and and we were we were so fortunate on that trip because we had what two was it two or three days in safari? Was it just two? I think maybe it was just two. Maybe three. Now I don't remember. I don't either, because it's but it was so uh we saw everything. We saw everything there was to see yeah. in Tanzania in those two days. And um which was really kind of unheard of that we saw so much and um but I think the whole experience of the safari it forced you to be present like there was no you don't skip this moment you get your camera out and you record (laughs) the you know the lion chasing the rhino like you you're not going to miss it you had to be right there right then it was such a good life lesson for me like to just Mm -hmm. stop and be in there and um 
Yeah. Okay. And now I'm feeling, I know you and I have texted about this, but now I am feeling so incredibly privileged to have been able to go. We went mm -hmm. in September, October of 2019 and just a few short months, we had this pandemic yeah. that is, you know, stopped travel. And, um, I just, it's, I don't know when we'll get that again, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. It's, wild to think about like if that had been this year we wouldn't be able to go yeah there is a picture I have in my head of you like the essence of you and it it truly is uh of Kilimanjaro we spent the first like four days at the base of Kilimanjaro, literally the base of it, where uh, we don't even get to see the mountain the way you do from the airport. Like it actually kind of looks smaller from where we were yeah. because of how we were located on the mountain. Uh -huh. But um, we spent like four days there with this cloud cover and never having seen Kilimanjaro. And you and Carly had actually seen Kilimanjaro before. Um, but the rest of us were like, we don't even know what this looks like. Like <laughs> we know it's there. We know its presence is there. Um, everybody talks about it. Everybody waits for it to appear. <laughs> and it just, uh, it just wouldn't for those days. Yeah. And then Simon says, oh, that's really funny. I didn't mean to do that. Simon says, <laughs> <laughs> but he says to us one day, it, she's, she's, we're going to see her. We're mm -hmm. going to see her and we have to get up really early in the morning. And, um, if you want to do this, we'll go and we'll go find her. And, um, so we did, of course, we weren't going to miss it. I think it was the day we were leaving, um, that particular, uh, lodge. Yes. You're and, right. yeah. and, um, and so we get up to this point and, and the cloud cover was gone. And after four days of knowing she's right there, that we're at her base, she reveals herself mm -hmm. and it was this another one of those amazingly spiritual moments right yeah and when I think about that and how important that mountain is to you that makes me think of you like Aww. you were you were always there mm -hmm. who you were um all those beautiful talents and giftings and and all of those things were there there's just this cover over it for a period of time and it's like once once it opened up you know it wasn't just for you to see anymore it was for everyone to see wow oh I love that yeah and, wow but I, I remember that day thinking you knew what was behind those uh, clouds the whole time we were there you knew you'd already been up and down <laughs> and um and yet there is still this thrill for you to see her at the end of these four days. And, um, and it was kind of like watching, watching the anticipation through you because you were like, no, it's worth it. It really is worth it. Like it's really amazing. And, um, so that's always stuck with me, um, about you because I think that that's kind of what we saw of you, um, during that trip was this, um, this unveiling, this release to be exactly, not just 
I don't even like to use the words exactly who you're supposed to be, but yeah. because I think that's loaded too. But <laughs> um, but to be exactly who you want to be. Ooh, yeah. Um, and it it was just it was so. Um, it was so spiritual to watch each one of us open up like that. Yes. Um, but, um, but your story had really impacted me because, um, I, I know not from personal experience, but I understand from the evangelical Christian, um, background, what it means to come to this truth about yourself and let the world know it. Yeah. Um, that is not an easy thing to do. And yet watching you, uh, actively do that in your life, um, is empowering. It's, um, it's inspiring. It makes me want to, uh, find more spaces in myself and release it to the world. Mm. So, so thank you for being that in my life and for being able to, um, you being exactly who you want to be, um, makes it really easy to, to enjoy you, to, <laughs> to have, um, shared experiences with you. And, um, so yeah. Wow. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. I love that imagery. I've always kind of described it like, or like my journey <laughs> as like, I don't know where I came up with this, but there's like this beautiful chair in your bedroom, but you've mm-hmm. got dirty clothes. Hanging <laughs> over it. Yeah. And piece by piece, I was like pulling them back and cleaning up and then finding this chair underneath. Mm. But that is so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have dirty laundry, we have um, onions, and we have clouds. So take your pick. (laughs) We will unveil, unravel, unpeel, whatever we need to. (laughs) But but I'm really uh, grateful to you for sharing um, so much of your heart with me today and um, I, I know that those are vulnerable things everything that you shared is vulnerable um, and so I appreciate that um, that you took the time to do that and, and it was good to s- just see you so good to talk to you we should do this more often yeah we should we should <laughs> thank you for listening and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you